the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and so thankful that you are joining me today. And I always want to start the show by making sure you know that if you can't listen to it in its entirety, you can go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com, and you can listen to the show in its entirety. They're all on, on the website there. So we are doing um, the second half of the show that we did last week, and this is how to be the best version of me. And what that really means. Uh, I talk so much to my clients and to any organization or church group or women's group that I speak to about be your own best version. And that, that simply means that I'm going to be who God has designed me to be, called me to be, wants me to be. I'm not going to be like someone else or a better version of that person. I'm going to be truly the best version of myself. And so there's some foundational and fundamental principles that I use in my office, and these are building blocks for being a very high-functioning person. And we talked last week about how much this allows you to enjoy your life and others, and it decreases the huge highs and lows, which can be extremely exhausting for you and for others. And when you practice these principles and integrate them, you're going to have more success and have it more consistently. So it's kind of an eclectic show because we're doing a whole bunch of different things, and we talked a lot about this uh, last week. So I'm going to give you a little bit of just a refresher of what we did last week, and then we're going to do the last half of this show. So last week, what we really, really focused on is that being your own best version is actually being a real adult. And being an adult is a choice, and it requires mastery of self, and it's always revealed by the level of self-control a person exhibits and possesses. Because adults control themselves. Little children do not have that skill yet. And so we talked a lot about what it means to be a little person in a big body and how scary those kinds of people are. And the difference between a three-year-old in the grocery store having a meltdown and requiring a ton of attention from everybody versus a 33-year-old having a meltdown in a grocery store. 
And I gave some examples of, of different interactions that I had had during the week with different people that were not probably in a lot of control of themselves. And the level of stress it creates in the environment and how much being an adult, being that person that has self-control, how much peace it brings to the people around you and how much stability it brings to the system or the group that you're interacting with. And so the most painful way to live is as a child in an adult body. One of the reasons that we don't want children trying to maneuver the adult world is that it's extremely stressful for them and very overwhelming and actually quite harmful. And last week we talked about this difference between hurt and harm. And when I don't know the difference between hurt and harm, if I can't distinguish between that, that generally indicates that I have a tolerance issue because adults have high tolerance for negative feelings. And negative feelings are are those feelings such as being misunderstood, being misperceived, not being liked, feeling rejected, feeling judged, um, getting insulted, being offended. And, And adults have the ability to kind of roll with that, move past that, let it go, move on, to tolerate you know, some some kind of dysfunctional behavior in humans. And they don't take it personally, which means they have less sensitivity. So if you've ever interacted with someone that is an extremely sensitive person, that you feel like you're walking around on eggshells, you probably have a little person in a big body. And they require a lot of management. And things get extremely complicated with highly sensitive people and with people that have a low tolerance for negative feelings. See, children really struggle with negative feelings. This is one of the reasons that they need big people in their life. Like, let's take the example that I used last week about the little boy goes to school, there's a birthday party, he's the only one in the class that doesn't get invited to the birthday party. He comes home, he's devastated, he's a wreck, he's a mess, he can't move on to the next moment, he never wants to go back to school again. And if he, has a real, if he has a good caregiver, that caregiver really cares about those feelings and comforts him, talks him through it, helps him to normalize himself, helps him to stabilize himself, helps him to really get back to equilibrium. If you don't have a good caregiver, then you don't learn those good self-soothing techniques that every adult needs. So what happens is those Little people grow up to be big people, but they stay little, and they're dependent. And so they depend on people, places, and things for all their good feelings. They can't generate their own good feelings. There's a big difference between hurt and harm. When we have a high tolerance for negative feelings, that means I can handle getting my feelings hurt. And I have a low tolerance for bad behavior, which means I will not tolerate harm in my life. And harm means illegal, unethical, immoral, dangerous, criminal. These things we put in the harmful category. These things I teach adults to not ever tolerate. We don't tolerate that. When we tolerate that, it makes it impossible to manage the negative feelings that come with that kind of harm. We end up then probably having our own bad behaviors to manage the person's bad behavior. 
So when we have in a, a relationship, a marriage, a partnership, girlfriends, boyfriends, friends, whatever that may be, if I'm being required to tolerate really harmful behavior, like infidelity, addictions, um, things like mismanagement of money and putting, putting us into bankruptcy, what's going to happen if I don't say no to those bad behaviors? I'm going to have to probably increase bad behaviors on my part. So I may become someone I don't even know. I may start to use language that I've never used. I may start to be insulting. I may start hitting below the belt. I may get depressed. I may get anxious. I may start doing self-medicating behaviors like drinking or smoking or swearing or um, shopping, um, overeating, what, lying, whatever that may be, to try to manage that person's bad behavior. So I talk a lot with clients about those that ripple effect. And we've talked on the show before about this, that you know, you drop a rock in a pond and it ripples out. And you kind of have to determine where different people in your adult life are, what ripple they're on. The worse their behavior, the farther out they need to be. They may need to be on ripple number 52. Because the people that are closest to you are the ones that also can tolerate negative feelings and really manage their own behaviors. So it's really imperative that you recognize if I have people that are really engaging in bad behaviors and expecting me to tolerate it, I will be corrupted. So there are people in my life that are on ripple number one, ripple number 10, ripple number 45. Because the farther out I move them, I'm better able to love them. But if I move them in too close because of their behaviors, because of their immaturity, I won't be able to be the person that I need to be. I will not be a good version of myself. And that's being a responsible person. That isn't being rejecting. It isn't being judgmental. It's simply saying, in order for me to feel good about myself and to know that when I stand before God, I've been the best version that I can be. So when we think about this tolerance issue, understanding the difference between hurt and harm, this helps us to be an adult because adults manage their internal world so that they don't have to necessarily try to control their external world. Little people, young people, are depending on the external world to be safe in order to get good behavior from them. Big people, mature people, are able to manage the external world because they have a safe internal world. So when we have good caregivers, and, and we talked about this last week, good caregivers help us to integrate a positive, safe internal world because of what they provided for us. Now I say this with no judgment because we're, I, I tell clients all the time, you know, who, who is God going to give children to? Us. Us. There's no perfect people on the planet to give children to. There's no perfect parent. Everybody is working through the good work that God has started in them, and it will not be completed until Jesus comes back or the day they die. So we are all a work in process. So we don't judge the people that took care of us. We might judge their behaviors as to whether or not that was healthy or unhealthy, but we don't judge their intentions. 
We don't know their heart. Only God knows their heart. But we recognize that if I grew up in a home that wasn't really a very positive environment, I probably internalized that. And I ended up being an adult trying to go find that great environment so I could feel safe versus creating the internal world I need within me so I take it every place I go. So that everywhere I go, I'm safe. Everywhere I go, I'm going to be okay because I know how to handle me. I know how to handle situations, and I know how to take care of myself. So it's very important that we really work on creating that internal world. That means I need to be able to tolerate negative feelings. So we're coming up to to our break. So again, I want to make sure that if you are just tuning in or you are not able to listen to the rest of the show, that you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Certainly, you can find me on all social media. The website has lots of really positive, helpful things. We have blogs that, that we've done that give you a little bit of a synopsis of every show. And we have lots of inspirational, motivational things on all the social media. Join me in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me. Always glad when you are spending your time with me here. And we are talking today about how to be the best version of me and what that looks like. And I keep reiterating this concept that the best version of me is an adult. And what is an adult? And we have some problems in our culture today with adulthood. And we are not growing up people like we need to. And we see this in this idea that we've talked about with tolerance. We have an intolerance or an inability to tolerate negative feelings, and we are tolerating very bad behaviors. So we see this at such an extreme that we are practically making uh, hurting someone's feelings illegal. And we are tolerating outrageous, outrageous behaviors. So what we want to think about is being an adult makes my life extremely simple, not complicated. My, my life is very complex, but it is not necessarily complicated. And, and I, I tell clients all the time, you know, dysfunction is very costly, costs us a lot of money, a lot of energy, a lot of time, and a lot of emotional uh, upset, the more dysfunctional we are, the more complicated our life is. And I gave the example of one of my clients that I had years ago that had, had really made some very immature decisions, very compulsive and impulsive decisions that ended up costing him a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of heartache. And so we really want to think about this idea that the healthier I am, the more adult I am, the more I get to spend money where I want to spend it. I get to spend time where I want to spend it. My emotional energy goes to the areas that I want to spend that emotional energy in. And I have less pain. Because little children in adult bodies 
are extremely sensitive, and the adult world is not a good place for little people. This is one of the reasons that we protect them. And if you have struggled with this and and have struggled with this growing up process, if you if the caregivers that you had in your life struggled themselves and were not able to be present for you in a way that you needed, then we have some growing up to do. And I, I've spent my entire adult life in as a psychotherapist growing people up. And it is nothing, nothing to be ashamed of. I had to do the same myself. All of us do because none of us have perfect parents. Only God is the perfect parent. And so we, we really don't want to judge our parents. We may judge the behaviors as to whether or not they're healthy or unhealthy, but we don't want to judge their heart. Most people are doing the best they can, for, truly. They really are doing the best they can. And it might not have been good enough. So the most painful way to live is as a child in an adult world. So we talked last week about this idea of dependency versus interdependency. And one of the hallmarks of an adult is that they are interdependent, which means that they have mastered dependency. They have depended enough to be able to become independent without becoming what we call counterdependent. Counterdependency means I'm an adult doing a lot of adult behaviors. I look like an adult, but I'm depending on something else. So I either depend on money, I depend on my appearance, I depend on substances, I depend on another person for my emotional stability, which means that I'm really not independent, even though I'm doing very adult behaviors. Because the goal is that I move to interdependency, which means that two are better than one. And I gave the example last week with my husband. If my husband were to pass away today, I, I, I would be absolutely devastated, bereft. I don't, very, it would be extremely painful. But the only thing I'd really have to work on and manage is how much I miss him because I'm very independent. So he and I are interdependent. We both can take care of ourselves if we're alone. We both have financially we can, uh, educationally we can, physically we can. All these things, we're adults. We're grown adults. And so the only thing I would really have to manage is the grief of the loss of him, his presence. Because I can handle myself in all the arenas of self-care. And those arenas, we talked a little bit, briefly touched on these last week, is psychologically, emotionally, how do I take care of myself in that area? Spiritually, intellectually, socially, and physically. And our society has a tendency to really focus on physical, intellectual, and social. And we don't address the psychological, emotional part of ourselves or the spiritual part of ourselves. Sometimes we overemphasize the spiritual part of ourselves to compensate for all those other arenas. So a grown adult manages all five of those arenas. And again, that is psychological, emotional, physical, intellectual, social, and spiritual. So it's imperative that I understand I need balance in all of those, that they don't compensate for one another. 
that they all work interdependently. And when they're all working, I'm working. So you might want to ask yourself, where am I at in those five arenas? How am I on the social realm? Do I use my social life to compensate psychologically, emotionally, because I'm insecure and I don't like myself and I don't feel good about myself and I don't like to tolerate negative feelings? So I'm going to constantly put myself out there in the world and hope that people like me, hope that I can find someone to fill that huge void inside of me that I'm not filling. Or maybe I over-intellectualize. I don't want to look at psychological, emotional, or, intel- or, or spiritual issues, and so I just want to gain knowledge. And if I can just understand everything, then I'll be okay. So we want to really look at all these realms as to how balanced am I in these realms? Am I really operating in all five areas, and am I managing all five areas? Maybe I overcompensate physically. I'm sure you've seen some people that's so focused on their physicality, but emotionally, they can't connect. Or they've made their body their God. That becomes their spirituality. Or maybe there are people that don't even look at their physical being. And so they wonder why socially maybe people don't want to be around them because they don't take care of their body. They don't take care of themselves physically. Maybe you know people that, that really work on the whole psychological, emotional area, and all they do is read self-help books. But somehow they're not integrating it. And they're not taking it in and actually being changed. So we're coming to a hard break This is our half hour. And again, I want to remind you that if you can't listen to the show, if you can't hear the rest of the show, please go to the website, CynthiaHyatt.com. Make sure that you are able to listen to the show. And there's all the past shows as well. Make sure, if you can, that you join me in the next half hour as we finish up this idea of how to be the best version of me. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. So glad that you are joining me. And I always say this at each break. If you are just tuning in, make sure you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You can listen to the show in its entirety. It is an hour-long show. Well, 45 minutes or so. And you, you probably want to listen to the entire show. So I'm thankful that you're joining me. Make sure that you check out all the social media. I'm on, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the different areas of social media, and you can get lots of different motivational, inspirational things for your day. And on the website, we've got lots of also inspirational, motivational things. There are blogs that you can read that correspond to the website as well, if you prefer reading kind of a synopsis of each show. So today we are finishing up this series, this two-part series, on how to be the best version of me. And that has everything to do with being an adult. And so we left off in the last segment talking about the five arenas of humans and the self-care of each of those arenas. And that is 
the social me, the intellectual me, the psychological emotional me, the physical me, and the spiritual me. And all areas need to be addressed. And one of the most perfect examples of the human that did all five arenas was, of course, Jesus. And how well he did all five of those arenas and how balanced he was in all five of those arenas. And the hallmark of an adult is tolerance and self-control. And we see that with Jesus. He had tremendous self-control until he didn't want to. And really the only time he, he decided not to practice self-control but to really give way to passion was when there was harm. And that was with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and what they were doing to the people that needed, really needed the temple, needed the support, the spiritual support, the emotional, psychological support, physical support of, that, of, of the, the whole entire community and the temple. And that's when he really said, I'm done, I've had it. And that was a choice on his part. It was not impulsive. It's not compulsive. It wasn't him losing control. It was him actually showing to the leaders of the temple, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, actually showing them an appropriate, outrageous response to what they were doing. It was a very adult behavior. It wasn't a childish outburst. It wasn't because he was offended or insulted or, or angry or tired or any of these things. So we really want to look at these, all these five arenas and how we are managing them. So I want you to ask yourself, socially, am I balanced socially? Am I balanced psychologically, emotionally? Do I take care of my internal world? And like we talked about in the very beginning of this show, that adults have an internal world that is safe so that everywhere they go, they're safe. Everywhere they go, they know they're going to be okay. They have choices, and they can make good choices, and they can practice self-control. Little children don't have an, an internal world. They externalize everything. And so part of parenting children is helping them manage the external world through their behaviors, right, and internalizing a healthy internal world. And a lot of that internalizing of a really safe, healthy world is how they feel about their caregivers, how their caregivers feel about each other. And I consistently am reminding parents of children that the best way to create self-esteem as your children is how much you like your spouse, how much you like your partner. Your relationship with your partner is far more powerful in creating stability for children than your relationship with your children. We have a tendency to want to do the one down and spend all of our time with our children and not address our partnership, our spouse. The best way to give security to children is how good you feel about your spouse and how they see how much you enjoy their spouse. That's where self-esteem for children comes from. So if you didn't get that, and many of us didn't, you know, we have very imperfect parents. Who is God going to pick but us? And so there aren't perfect parents out there. So we really want to not judge our caregivers, but we, we can judge their behaviors as to whether or not it was helpful for us. But we really want to understand that people are probably doing the best they can. So I want you to really look at those five arenas when you are addressing 
wow, how can I be the best version of me? And what arena am I either not managing or avoiding or overemphasizing? So we're coming up on a break. This, this little segment goes so very fast. We're coming up on a break, and we are going to finish this show in the next break talking about past, present, and future and personal codes that adults have. This is Cynthia Height with Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHight.com, and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today. And we are finishing up this segment on how to be the best version of me. And that really just means being an adult. God calls us to be adults. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to be that person that really affects the world, that really takes up the space that he created for us to take up to really know why we are here. What's the point? What's the point of us being here? What, why, why were we born? Because it was not happenstance. And so the growing up piece is essential to being the best version of me. So if you're not, haven't been able to listen to the show in its entirety, make sure you go to the website, CynthiaHyde.com, and you can listen to the, to the entire show from the website as a podcast. So we left off with this idea of the five arenas that we are really working on managing. And that's the physical, the social, psychological, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual. And those five areas we want balanced. We don't want to be overcompensating one for the other. We don't want to be avoiding one over the other. We want to make sure that we are addressing the wholeness of the person. And when we do this, what we may find when we look at the caregivers that, that grew us up, we may need to do some reparenting. And reparenting simply means the more I get to know myself, the more I get to understand the parent I needed. What kind of parent did I need? None of us got the parent we needed. Some maybe more than others. Some people got you know really good parents, but they're still imperfect people. So there's this need to claim myself, to attach to me, because I'm going to be with me all the time. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Not only that, I'm going to be with myself for eternity. Thankfully, the most amazing, most amazing revelation that God revealed to me was that he actually wants to be with me forever. And the thought that someone would want to be with me forever is amazing. So I'm going to be with me forever. I might want to make peace with myself, which means I need to claim myself. And that's taking responsibility for me. I belong to me. The more I take responsibility for me, the easier I am for other people. I'm a lot less work for them. I'm a lot less stressful, a lot more enjoyable, a lot more reliable, a lot more stable. And I create less negative feelings in their lives. So part of really being the best version of me is the fact that I manage me. I'm aware of me. I pay attention to me. The way that we want parents to be doing for children so that they are actually helping them grow up. So part of being your own best version is really getting over yourself, 
And that's that's tough. It was tough for me. I, I have to admit, I readily admit, I really did not like myself. And I didn't want to attach to me. I didn't want to claim me. I wanted to get away from me. So I wanted to externalize a lot, which means I wanted to distract myself from myself with the external world. That's how we have a little person in a big body. So part of coming, coming toward yourself and being at peace with yourself is the reparenting piece. Forgiving your parents, forgiving God, forgiving aunts, uncles, babysitters, whoever that is that was caring for you, forgiving them for the lack, that you, the areas that you did not get what you needed. And recognizing that one of the most beautiful things as, as to being an adult is I get to give myself what I need. I actually get to do that. I get to grow up. And one of the easiest things to do in the, when you're dealing with being in the adult world is to be an adult. It's far less stressful to be an adult than to be a little person in a big body doing adult behaviors from a little person perspective. So the nicest gift that God gives us is that we get to grow up. And that means I have agency over me. I'm my own responsibility. I get to make the choices about me. I'm not giving myself away to people all the time hoping that they take care of me and do well by me. Because what I, what I find as an adult is if they don't do well by me, if I'm an adult, I can manage it because I have choices. I can even not be in relationship with that person. I can set boundaries. I can choose how to perceive what's going on. That's the nicest thing about being an adult. So I want you to think about if you were your own parent, when you look back in your childhood, you might say something to yourself like, wow, I wish my mom did this, or I wish my dad did this, or why didn't they see that, or I wish they would have helped me in this area. That's the discovery process for you as to saying, okay, I got parents that helped me make it to my adulthood. So I, 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 did, I did make it. I didn't, I didn't pass away early. I actually made it to being an adult. But what were the things that I wished or that I see that I needed that they didn't give me? Those are the things you give yourself. That's the self-talk. That's the internal world that I want you to have. Is what, How do you talk to you has a lot to do with how your parents talk to you. So if the way your parents talk to you wasn't helpful, change the way you talk to you. You're now the parent of you. You're it. You're the adult in your life. You're the person taking care of you. So when we look at adults, adults understand the past, the present, and the future and how that affects relationships and the expectations, and they're much better to emotionally regulate. See, if I'm truly an adult, I grasp the fact that the past is really the past, which means that if somebody in my life is growing and changing, which we hope everyone chooses that, I can let them have a new future with me if they are truly changing. I'm not going to stay stuck in the past. I really have the ability to get over it and to say, you know what? If you're really working on these things and really changing and committed to changing, why wouldn't I let you create new history with me? Why wouldn't I do that? That's one of the most redemptive things that we can do for people is we redeem relationships. We can redeem the past. And the way we redeem the past is not changing it, but simply letting there be a new future. 
That's what God does for us every day. And adults can tolerate that. Children are very black and white. They can't do the gray. They can't manage that humans are gray. God is the God of the gray. He's the only one that really knows white, pure white, and pure black. We've never been to either of those extremes. So what we want to really work on is understanding that if I can't let go of my past, then it affects my present. And my present then starts recreating the past, which steals the future from me. Now, this does not mean that we forget the past as if it didn't happen. We learn from the past. And the past relationships that we've had with people, our our past with them, is relevant. And it's relevant in terms of deciding whether or not they are actually trying to change. Because if they're not, then as adults, we have the choice to say, you know, you're not allowed to be in my life. But if they really are changing, how heroic is that? How amazing is that? That we can have this past, a great story as to how, where it was and where it is. And adults can manage that. Because adults, again, recognize the difference between hurt and harm. So if I can't get over the hurt, I'm going to perceive all their mistake-making as harmful. Now, if they are truly harmful, why would I want to be with them? So it's really recognizing the difference between hurt and harm. Now, if somebody, because we talked about this tolerance of we don't want to tolerate bad behaviors, the only time we tolerate bad behaviors is if the person is actively changing. Then we can tolerate that for a little while while someone is practicing and healing, and working on it, and growing up themselves. And so we then have appropriate expectations on people. Because as adults, I don't need someone to be perfect in order for them to be safe. See, I can have very safe people that are very imperfect, which is all of my friends and my husband and myself. So safe people actually care if they hurt your feelings. Safe people don't ever want to harm someone. They feel worse about it than you probably feel about it. These are safe people. Safe people are mature people. Safe people take responsibility for their own behaviors and their own lives and manage themselves and regulate themselves and parent themselves. These are the people that you want to be in relationship with. These are the people you want to become. So adults also have a personal code they're committed to, and they don't violate it. And if they do, if they do, they're the ones that fix it. They feel worse about violating it than maybe you do if you know about it. So even if society, organizations, friends allow something outside of their value system, they don't do it. They don't look for permission from the world as to whether or not they can violate their own value system. Adults take their value system everywhere they go. They don't change their value system to fit the environment. So they don't say, well, I don't watch pornography, I don't smoke pot, I don't um, drink, whatever it is, and then I get into an environment and I like the people and they smoke pot and I say, oh, okay, well, maybe I can. Okay, this is more what teenagers do. Teenagers haven't solidified a value system yet. Neither have little children. 
So you want to think about if I'm an adult, I bring my value system everywhere I go, and I have the courage to say, you know, that doesn't really work for me. Doesn't mean I'm going to judge somebody else. That's their own problem. They stand before God. They don't stand before me. So I'm not going to judge whether or not you decide that you would like to smoke pot or whether you drink or whether you watch whatever movies or, or swear or whatever you do. That, that's your problem. See, as an adult, that's not my problem. The only time it's a problem for me is if I'm trying to have intimacy with you and we don't share the same value system. That never works. So when I'm doing couples counseling, premarital counseling, marriage counseling, I'm always saying to people, you cannot have intimacy if you don't share the same value system. It's too complicated. And offensive is what happens, which makes a lot of things to get over. Because, see, adults can do whatever they want. No one makes them do anything. I say to myself, nobody can make me do anything. I choose. I choose. Adults delay gratification, and they enjoy working toward that goal. And the last thing as we end this, I want you to realize that intimacy with young people is about being the same. This is why little children want to talk like you, walk like you, act like you, dress like you. And then they do this with teenagers. They don't want to be like you. They want to be like the rest of the teenagers, where adults can have a lot of intimacy with a different person because they create space for that. I had a dog and a cat that were best friends. They accepted each other exactly for what they were, and they created space for them to be so different. This is what we want to do. We want to understand that adults know feelings are real but not always true. This is why they have self-control. They recognize that a feeling in the moment may pass and they don't have to act on it immediately. That's self-control. That I can think about my feeling and I can choose how to respond. Well, I hope this has been helpful for you. Make sure that if you, can't, if you haven't been able to listen to the sh- to two shows, go to the website. They're both on the website. And I think this can be extremely helpful. You may want to listen to it a couple of times. And I'm so glad that you joined me. Join me next week. We have another great show for you. We're talking about communication and intimate relationship styles. And I know these will also be helpful. They will kind of build on the show we just did. So have a great week. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you check out the website and all the social media that we have available for you. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.